What's up, everybody? Welcome to the sixth episode of The Roundabout, celebrating 15 years of the Xbox 360. My name is Ryan Turford, and this is the show where we're counting down the months to the 15-year anniversary of the Xbox 360 with 50 of the best games to play on the console for both new and experienced owners. We dive into the brief history of each game and talk about what makes them awesome. As always, we'd love your feedback on the show over on Twitter at the Xbox Drive, where you can reach out to me directly at Ryan Turford, that's T-U-R-F-O-R-D, as everybody always asks. Of course, before we get into it, of course, this is the sixth episode already. I just want to say a huge shout out to everyone um, for responding and giving me feedback about this show. Uh, even though I'm not uh, super prevalent on, on social media, at least for the last week and a half, because I've kind of been on the ups and downs uh, this week, I do want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for for y'all listening to this show um, and really responding with with some honest feedback. I've really taken a lot of it to heart, and I, I got to say thank you, even though I'm not always able to, to do that on Twitter. I do want to say that here uh, for all y'all who are listening to this episode. On this week's episode, we travel to the skies of Columbia as we take a look at Bioshock Infinite, released on March 26th, 2013. With the Xbox One right around the corner, Bioshock Infinite was one of the last major releases designed for the seventh generation of consoles in mind. It was also the final game from famed studio Irrational Games, who were best known for System Shock 2, as well as the original Bioshock, before the studio massively shrunk in size and rebranded as Ghost Story Games. In fact, we still really haven't seen a new game from Ghost Story Games ever since Bioshock Infinite came out, which is crazy to think about. After five years of development, some jaw-dropping trailers, and multiple delays, you could safely say that hype was incredibly high for Infinite when it first launched. I mean, a lot of people were really looking forward to this title. It launched in the same month as, as the Tomb Raider reboot, and I know like these were the two pillars of, of the 360 and the PS3 before uh, the Xbox One was going to come out, which uh, was just a crazy time to be playing games for sure. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to admit this right off the top here because, I mean, this is going to probably affect the way that you've you're going to probably tell this from the way that this is going to go. I'm not someone who is really into Bioshock Infinite when it first came out. I was really disappointed in the game um, when it first arrived. I love the characters, the story and the world, but gone were the survival horror elements I adored from the first Bioshock because for those who haven't played the original Bioshock, um, it's even though it's not a survival horror game by trade, it is a first-person shooting game, but it's not really like a lot of other traditional first-person shooters. Um, it really is trying to do something a little bit different. It is where you can, you don't really have monster closet sections like in Bioshock Infinite. Um, the combat is really designed more so that you can kind of do your own thing in in the original Bioshock. Whereas in Bioshock Infinite, I really felt like they tried to focus the, on combat this time around, and they put too much of a focus on the which, again, from a logical standpoint, the, the, with the integration of vigors and, and extra powers with the gunplay, it would make sense to maybe go in that direction. But ultimately, I felt like they missed the mark on some of the combat, and uh, it felt a little bit clunky. That said, after all that, it's a game that I've really come to appreciate in the time since it's released and moving past my initial disappointment. I found that there's a great game with some amazing elements here. I mean, I've really kind of turned around on Bioshock and that's why it's definitely on this list for sure. Because um, maybe if you were to ask me three or four years ago, I probably wouldn't include Bioshock Infinite in the top 50 360 games. But I've really come around on this game for sure, especially after after going back and revisiting multiple times. Um, I, I think I have a new pre appreciation for the game. Now, for those who haven't played Bioshock Infinite, of course, it's the prequel 
to the original Bioshock, and it takes place in 1912. You play as Booker DeWitt, a former Pinkerton agent, as he's hired to infiltrate the floating city of Columbia to find Elizabeth, who's being held captive. After rescuing Elizabeth really early on in the game, you try and escape the floating city while evading the evil Comstock and his forces. They are also caught in a conflict between two rival factions, and their actions affect both Columbia's future as well as their own. Now, that's all I'm really going to give you for the tidbits on the story itself, simply because it's a game where if you have not played Bioshock Infinite at all, I think you should just turn off this podcast and go play it because it is an amazing game and the story beats work so much better if you go in blind, for sure. Like if I try and spoil too much or talk too much about the story, um, obviously I think it's going to ruin the experience for you. So definitely take my advice, go play it now, then come back and we'll be here. I'm not going to spoil anything anyways, but just want to throw that out there. Both Troy Baker and Courtney Draper put in fantastic performances as both Booker and Elizabeth, and by the end of the experience, you'll grow to love both characters. At the time, Elizabeth's AI was not like anything we've really seen in a game at that point, as she really acted as a helpful companion to the player. In fact, we see it a lot more now with games, uh, but back then, this was actually a really big deal. Whether it's finding useful items in the environment and then throwing them to the player, pointing out enemy positions, or providing helpful hints— Elizabeth almost felt like a second player throughout the experience and really gave the experience a really unique feel. And, and of course, you kind of really grow to love Elizabeth throughout the course of the game because you're in, she's the, the one person you're constantly interacting with. Uh, and they did such an amazing job with that. With all that said and done, the third star of the show was Columbia itself. A technological marvel, Columbia's design incorporates future technology with a 1910s aesthetic. Once part of the United States, Columbia seceded from the nation after intervening in the Boxer Rebellion in Peking, which is a real incident. You can go read about that on Google. I'm not going to explain all of that here. I also really love, too, that they really tie the history of Columbia in with real-life events. I thought that was just so cool. Similar to Rapture, Columbia has a unique look and feel that doesn't really feel like anything else we've seen in games before it. In fact, it's not too often you really see a, cl a cloud-based city other than Cloud City from Star Wars, in many games. Uh, really, it was it, it, uh, just looking over the, the side of the, the buildings and seeing the clouds and the sky. It just, it, oh my God, it looks so cool. The visuals are still impressive to this day and really pushed the 360 for the time. I remember that this was really a graphical showcase for pretty much any platform it was on, whether it was uh, PC, PlayStation 3, and of course, 360, um, especially because it was late in the 360s life cycle and it pushed the boundaries of what PCs could do at the time. It was it was really incredible what the team did with it. So how does Bioshock Infinite hold up today and how does it compare to the 360's best games? The game's visual style still looks fantastic on the 360 to this day, thanks to the excellent visual design. Combat feels a bit clunky, as I mentioned, and almost feels like a chore to get to the next area, but I like the usage of Vigors and really how it breaks up some of the monotony with the combat. Um, again, it was it's a lot of monster closets, which is uh, one of my biggest pet peeves in video games where it's just you run from one place to another, just killing enemies until you kill all the enemies and then you can go to the next area or another wave of enemies comes. It's just it's it's a thing. The main attraction here is still the game's narrative, which is just as compelling as when I first played it back in 2013, because I did recently go back to Bioshock Infinite for the purposes of this episode, and yeah, the story beats still really hit pretty hard 
Um, the story has some incredible twists and turns, and they'll really keep you talking af even after the game has ended. Though I will admit the pacing is a bit off, as I found it really dragged in the second act, which was more of the some of the faction stuff I mentioned earlier happens in the middle of the game, and I just think it the that section of the game kind of bogs down the experience. I think. Bioshock Infinite probably would have been less disappointing to me maybe if it was shor a shorter experience, whereas because the, I think that was still the era where companies were kind of trying to pad that, pad games for time. We we talked about that a little bit when Alien Isolation came out uh, when we did that episode, um, and I think that this game kind of suffered with that same fate as well. Bioshock Infinite also has two really excellent DLC packs in the form of Burial at Sea, returning the game to the Rapture setting with alternate versions of Elizabeth and Booker. If you haven't played that DLC at all, I highly encourage it as I think it's well worth the price of admission, even if the experiences are on the shorter side. Obviously, the Clash in the Cloud stuff, which is all combat, not a big fan of. I'm, I was not a big fan of that stuff, but definitely the two Burial at Sea packs, part one and two, were both excellent. In, in fact, I love being able to play as Elizabeth in the, in the second pack. Now, if you're looking to pick up Bioshock Infinite today, it's available digitally on both 360 and it's backwards compatible on Xbox One. There's also a remastered version of the game available as part of the Bioshock HD collection. That's all for this episode of The Roundabout. You can hit me up on Twitter anytime at Ryan Turford. You can also find the pants man himself, Sean Capri, over on Twitter at Sean Capri and also on Twitter on the Xbox Drive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Roundabout, the sixth episode. And we out. Bye.